Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I want to remind you before we get started, the TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner of Purple Insider and the Blue Wire Network. TickPick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging service fees ever. Along with Sam Ekstrom, we just wrapped up Mike Zimmer's press conference. There's a few things we need to talk about from there. Also, I put a poll out about uh, whether Vikings fans would want to face Arizona or Green Bay in the playoffs and got some interesting responses from that that I want to discuss. And one of Pro Football Focus's analytics guys says that uh, the opposing NFC team should be rooting for the Vikings to miss the playoffs. So I want to discuss whether we agree with that statement or not. But Sam, COVID, it be lurking everywhere in the NFL, everywhere in sports uh, right now. The wild game is shut down. They've got practice squad guys who are on the COVID list. D.D. Westbrook is on it. Uh, Dan Chisna was put on Alexander Madison yesterday. And uh, Madison will not be able to play, I believe, because of his vaccination status. But uh, the other ones, I guess, we'll see. And also the Chicago Bears, Eddie Goldman, who usually eats the Vikings alive, he's on the list, as well as several other of their players as well. And I guess the question to start off with is how much this affects the Vikings going forward, but also like, is the NFL going to have to stop some games here from happening? I mean, this seems like we are having COVID absolutely everywhere in pro sports right now. Yeah, it's it's concerning. At this point in the season, you hate to see games getting affected by large numbers of absences. I mean, the the Rams, you know, now they won the game last night, so clearly it didn't affect them too much, but Losing guys, day of game, they've got Beckham now on the list, and and that could very easily affect them in the Vikings-Rams game next week. Um, And the Vikings at this moment are, are, I think they are still like okay, but they're teetering, right? Like they're losing losing pieces of their depth, particularly on offense. Um, They can't afford a lot more. They're getting kind of thin. And you can only imagine this thing spreading, right? Like this is is what happened in early November where – the Vikings got that that first trickle, and from that point on, it's been steady. It just doesn't go away. And when you see, I think, six in two days for the Vikings, there's no telling what tomorrow brings, right? The next day could be could be worse. Like we we just don't know what's to come. But when there are clumps, it probably isn't done there. So that is alarming. And there are a couple of key members of this team, obviously, that are not vaccinated that we know about that have not had COVID yet, that could get COVID, and that could seriously affect the Vikings. 
Um, especially, you know, if they got it like on a Friday, they'd have to miss two games if they were unvaccinated. It could get really messy and it could it could seriously affect the playoff race here in the NFL. Well, and so this is uh, kind of goes back to what we've talked about way back in training camp about the status of certain players and why it's relevant, why it matters and why it was being discussed. Uh, but what also comes to mind for me, Sam, is I'm not sure any of these leagues anticipated this going the way that it has. I, I think that what they thought back in the summer was, okay, if the vaccinated players are vaccinated, then they shouldn't test positive and they can do whatever they want and it's fine. Right. They can walk around the facility with no masks on. And they only have to test once a week and no big deal. Uh, but the thing is that sometimes in life stuff changes and the NFL decided that it didn't want to change how it was handling this. And clearly the NBA, the NHL didn't really either. So we're at this point looking around the NFL saying this is worse than it was last year. And last year there was no vaccination. Um, but because players who are unvaccinated can still test positive. You've ended up with more issues to do with this because the NFL did not change the way that it handled this early on. There were players in the players association who were saying, Hey, NFL, maybe you should be doing daily testing. Hey, NFL, maybe you should keep those mask mandates on so we don't have spreads that, like, look, players are going to test positive. It's out there in the world, and if you spend any time around anybody, it could happen to you. Um, but you need to adapt and change because at one point in the country, the numbers that, you know, we've all become epidemiologists here, but like the numbers were so far down that I think everyone went like, Oh, okay, this is about to end and we'll just sort of move on. And then variants and all these other things and so forth have come about. And so we've continued throughout the season to have these every so often, this player can't play, this player can't play. But now it seems like there's a real, uh, increase in this. And uh, again, I'm not a scientist, so I can't tell you exactly why, but I can only tell you that it's clear this is happening. And it seems like the NFL did not really anticipate this to change its rules and change its protocols to get ahead of it. So instead they're behind it of like, oh, now Cleveland and Minnesota and several other teams. Now you guys have to go into that uh, uh, mode where everyone has to wear masks and gets tested every day, but they did not go into that fast enough. And it feels like this could have been prevented. And now uh, the Minnesota Vikings are looking at four games that they're going for the playoff race here. And uh, very likely Alexander Madison won't be able to play. That could be a key player for them. If Delvin cook has any setbacks, they've got to bring in a complete random guy, Wayne Gallman to play running back. Uh, you know, you've got wide receivers out. So now DD Westbrook, who's not a key wide receiver, but you know, he can play in the NFL. Now, all of a sudden, it's got to be Amir Smith-Marset, who hasn't been able to crack the lineup. These things are affecting results. And I think that you can look at the NFL and say, should you guys have been maybe a little farther ahead of this or what? Yeah, I can't fault you on that. And, you know, if you look at sort of the, the, the little line chart of, you know, national virus numbers, same time last year went up it peaked in november the winter was pretty tough november december and remember they were playing games in um any day of the week tuesdays thursdays friday every day of the week had a game last year and they haven't had to do any kind of rescheduling this season um maybe that needs to be on the table these final few weeks just to ensure the integrity but i think that the smart teams 
like even if they aren't officially in the intensive protocol, wouldn't you want to sort of take that that extra step preemptively to be in that spot so you don't have the outbreak and then have to react to it? Because if you're reacting to an outbreak, it's probably too late. Like you've probably done a lot of the damage that you're going to do. Um, there could be people that it's incubating. It could emerge two, three days later. Um, and that affects, you know, when there's four games left and you're talking about affecting one or two games, that's a gigantic percentage of the remainder of your season. Uh, the Vikings are going to be affected here in a, a critical game against Chicago. And then we'll see about L.A. They could very easily be affected in that game, too. Um, so I, I think it's probably a huge bummer for like all these players and some of whom I, you know, and we've heard reports on Twitter, some of them got the vaccine because they believed it would prevent them from having the pain and the, the inconvenience of all these protocols. Well, it, like you said, changes happen. And from a competitive standpoint, being in that protocol is going to help you. So whether whether teams have outbreaks or not, it feels like that needs to be the policy league-wide just to make sure the rosters can stay intact and talented players can actually play on Sunday and enhance the product. Yeah, and there still are very different rules between vaccinated and unvaccinated, so that will matter with who can come back, who can play, and all those things. Um, so I guess we just sort of stand on the sidelines and watch and wait and see if there's anything more from the Vikings, but you are now reaching a significant number of players, which makes you wonder, could more be to come especially with them testing everybody every day now that they're in the enhanced protocols. So you hold your breath. And if you're Vikings fans hoping for the playoffs, which I know that not everyone is, that there are some people kind of looking at it going, eh, if they miss it, then changes will happen and whatever. But what you don't want is it to be resolved by COVID rather than just losing to the bears or something. Right. I mean, and the elephant in the room is the quarterback that, if you go to Chicago with Kirk Cousins, you feel pretty darn good about your chances to win. And the same thing goes for week 18 with Cousins uh, because he's played well this season and he's better than what Justin Fields is right now. And that Chicago defense is super, super bad. So you feel like, well, that's a game that you can go win with Cousins. With Sean Mannion, that is a different story. And that's always the thing that we've been sitting here waiting or wondering, like, will this happen since he had the close contact uh, earlier this year in training camp? And this was Mike Zimmer's biggest fear sort of come to life, uh, potentially, if, if Cousins ends up at any point testing positive and then having to miss a game or two games, that could be a huge difference maker between they make the playoffs and not. Um, so I'm not saying he's going to get it. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying that if you're thinking here, oh, okay, you've got this route to the playoffs that you should make it. That's the one thing that lingers over here that you think that's the one guy, almost everybody else you can deal with. If Wayne Gallman had to start over Delvin Cook for one game, you could still throw it to Justin Jefferson and win that football game. If you don't have cousins, it's pretty darn hard uh, to win a game with Sean Mannion, who's barely ever started in his career. So I think today has been kind of a very nerve wracking day for a lot of people. I mean, even guys who played in the game last night in Los Angeles, like Odell Beckham end up testing positive today. And I know that it hasn't spread during games, but I'm sure that if you were lining up across him the whole night, you're thinking like, wait, uh, is this going to be a problem for me? So it's starting to wreak havoc on sports. It's really unfortunate. It's a giant drag. 
but that's kind of where we had to start the show. Now, to move on, uh, I want to start with the end of Mike Zimmer's press conference because I have a question for you about Mm -hmm. Mike Zimmer. So uh, earlier this week or on Sunday, John Harbaugh went for two when down nine. Um, Can we talk about that first? Yeah, yeah. Um, The probabilities tell you that's the right move. Everybody's looked at it. It's been studied a hundred times by math people. It's the right move to do. Okay, great. I accept that. Uh, the people with the PhDs in math understand the numbers two and nine and other numbers involved in football better than I do. That's not even advanced analytics. It's just a very simple probability issue. Phil Sims goes on TV, freaks out. John Harbaugh explains it in his press conference. Okay. So I asked Mike Zimmer about teams being more aggressive going for two and things like that. And he talked about how the game situation matters. And sometimes you go against the numbers uh, because you feel like you have an advantage or you don't have an advantage in a particular situation, which I would agree with. The other thing too, is sometimes the analytics say go for it and it's 2% higher than don't go for it. And everyone's like, Oh, what a mistake. It's like, well, look, it was, it's more of a 50, 50 shot than it is an obvious you should have gone for it or not. Um, I wanted to ask you if you think that Zimmer is like where he ranks among decision makers for in-game decisions in the NFL. Yeah, um, this is a tough one because I I think we view Zimmer as a fairly regressive or antiquated decision maker, and I think that's that's borne out certainly at times. I would also say that he's gotten better, like at the decision making part of it. And I think the problem with Zimmer is, is that he doesn't really have a code. It is more like heart driven. Like, how do I feel about this? And as I've likened it to in the past, it's like the the person who waffles on 16 at the blackjack table. You just, you can't trust him one game to the next. But Zimmer has shown a propensity rarely on the, on fourth and threes, even fourth and twos. But I mean, I feel pretty good about him on fourth and a one. If he's at like the 40-yard line, his own 40 and beyond, I think he's going for it. Um, Now, is he going to do the advanced next-level stuff, like go for two down nine, um, go for two down eight, which which is kind of another one, like Kingsbury didn't do it last night, you know? Um, McDermott didn't do it in the Bucs game. Those are a little bit, I think, ahead of his time. Um, But I think he's getting there with some of the the other two-point conversion stuff um and some of the fourth down stuff he's probably right in the middle like edge sports which calculates this type of thing and tries to quantify it they have him about 19th that to me is is almost perfect i think he's slightly below average but certainly not the worst um i do want to say though just on the on the whole harbaugh thing i think there is a very specific like one or two out of 10 times where i think it's actually smart to take the the one. And here's why. Here's my rationale. Let's say that you're at home, right? Let's say you have a great home crowd. Um, you have momentum. What's what's really important in that situation? To get a stop. You need to get the ball back. And I think it's easier to get the ball back if you have a motivated defense that has the perception of being down one, one possession. Maybe the other quarterback is inexperienced. There's pressure now on that offense feeling like they're only up one possession. And the crowd is certainly going to play to that more if you're only down by one possession. So I think there is a scenario where it's smart to take the one. Nine out of ten, 
I'm going by the book. But like, but Zimmer does make a point that I think we can't ignore that there are situational elements. You just need to inform it more, like go into it knowing what the numbers are. And I'm not even convinced that Zimmer knows the book that well. I think he's pretty much 100%. How do I feel about this right now? And I don't think that's correct. I, you know, it, I know that Zimmer uh, has people informing him about the numbers on the decisions because he at the NFL combine three years ago, two years ago, uh, kind of made fun of them a little bit. And I wrote an article (laughs) more or less in response to it saying like this differentiation between your feelings and how the analytics people tell you, you should handle these things could be something that is considered when viewing the long-term coaching situation for the Vikings, because the Vikings as a organization want to be progressive and the general manager of the team is in love with the analytics, sometimes to the point where you're like, I'm not sure you quite get that one, Um, you know, with trying to recreate players in the draft and all that by their heights and weights and 40 times. Like, I'm not sure that you can actually recreate Daniil Hunter by looking at that, but um, you know, you have to understand what outliers are to properly uh, look at analytics, but uh, there's a, there's a long been this sort of gap between what the analytics people with the Vikings view as the right way to do some things and how Mike Zimmer handles it. I would say though, that I totally agree that game situation how people are playing, the body language, the strengths, the weaknesses, like all of this matters. Um, The Arizona Cardinals botched that game last night about 30 ways sideways, but the biggest was they made the right fourth down decision, despite Brian Greasy wanting them to kick the field goal on first down or whatever, I don't know. But like they made the right decision to go for it on fourth and one to try to get the touchdown. It's like, oh, you're down by two scores, right? But the touchdown's a lot harder to get. So you should try to get it when you have the chance to get it. But they ran at Aaron Donald. What? Aaron Donald played (laughs) one of the greatest football games last night I've ever seen by an individual player. He had 15 pressures. Like this is Reggie White. This is Lawrence Taylor. This is the all-time great. And your decision is to run out of the shotgun up the middle. So that right there by the numbers will go down as a failed fourth down. But at the same time, um, you know, it was a stupid play call. So like what your play call is, the personnel, all these things have to be factored into a decision. What I don't like is when a coach makes a wrong call and then they work themselves around to all these other explanations. They're like, well, look, we did screw up that call, but it was because of this, 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 and the other thing to justify what they were saying. And if a coach said after a game, the reason I didn't go for two down nine was momentum, I'd be like, no. Sorry, buddy. I'm just not buying it. Uh, And I know what you're saying. You're saying there's probably a rare situation where it's possible. None of these things have like definitive, you absolutely must do this every time. So I agree with that part of it. It's just that um, a lot of times the explanations are sort of cop-outs for, whoops, I screwed up. And now I'm trying to figure out a way around uh, this this conversation. So I think that Zimmer, I agree, is, is more in the middle of it. I think that his intuition is often correct. I think he leans toward being more aggressive, which usually ends up matching up with the numbers. Um, I remember looking at a couple of years ago, his punt decisions, and it was like 90% of the time or 80% of the time it went along with the numbers. Uh, but there is also a perception his age uh, is part of this or the fact that he wants to run the ball a lot that I think people, when you see him mess one up or do what goes against the numbers, I should say, instead of mess up, uh, then 
it's, oh, uh, that's classic Zimmer, old school coach. When I think you're right, I think it's much more kind of in the middle. And you almost feel like if at some point he had bought in a little bit more, he'd be toward the top because it actually matches up with his sort of predisposition better than maybe he thinks it does. Yeah, I I wish he would sort of start doing things that not a lot of not a lot of other coaches are doing because I think he kind of got dragged along into this newfound aggressiveness. Yeah. I think most other coaches beat him to it, and he's now joining the masses. I don't think he's ever done anything cutting edge. Like when have the Vikings ever decided to go for two on the first touchdown of the game? You know, just something something that is analytically sound but not trendy. Um, they don't do it. You know, they, they don't make those type of risks or going for uh, fourth and three from their own 45. That never, ever happens unless the game is online, obviously. So I think that there's room to go there. And I think I, I see the NFL in about 10 years and I think, man, what a fun game. Like the scores are going to be wacky. People are going to be going for two all the time, going forward on fourth down all the time. It's going to be awesome. Um, it's, it's much simpler when you can just stop a team three times. Oh, fourth down, let's punt it away. Uh, I, it makes the game more complicated on defense. Suddenly on third down, you can't go into a shell. You can't defend the sticks. Um, the Ravens have normalized it yep. to where they're so confident where if it's third and 16, they're totally fine checking it down and getting 13 yards and because they know they're going for it on fourth down, their confidence helps them execute. It just empowers your players. And I would love if Zimmer uh, became more that way. This is one part about personnel, though, because if you have Kirk Cousins or Lamar Jackson, those are different decisions. Uh, Lamar Jackson on fourth and five, if everything goes wrong and every receiver is covered, the guy gets five yards because he's Lamar Jackson, where your guy, probably not. I mean, we saw this even from Kyler Murray last night though he threw two really bad interceptions that cost them that game. In part, uh, we saw that uh, there was a situation late in the game where they're trying to stop him. He escapes, he gets out. Or not, uh, late in the half, first half, he escapes, he gets out, he gets into field goal position, they get extra points just because of what he could do with his legs. That's not something your quarterback could do. So if you're not confident you can scheme somebody open, then it sort of changes the formula. And I think that that's what Zimmer's point is. But um, yeah, it can be excuse me, it could be a lot better. It could be a lot worse, which is often the case when we talk about anything with Mike Zimmer or Kirk Cousins or like the Vikings organization in general, which leads me to the uh, playoff scenario. Now that Arizona lost that game last night, which I thought was a tremendous football game. And uh, my Los Angeles Rams take is just flying back and forth. A couple weeks ago, Somebody sent me a message, boy, you are on top of the Rams being overrated. And then like after last night, they get this huge win on the road and like, uh, maybe they're not. I don't don't know, guys. Uh, It's a weird season. But now it's possible that Arizona could end up with the two seed. Possible that Green Bay could end up with the one seed. So I put it out there on Twitter for Vikings fans. If the Vikings get the seven seed, who would you rather face? Uh, I want you to guess the percentage of Vikings fans that said Arizona versus Green Bay, and I want you to tell me what your answer is. Okay, well, my my answer informs what I think the public thinks, because I assume everybody thinks like me. I think you would rather face Arizona. I think 85% said that. I think that's absolutely the easy call. 
Okay, well, 70% said they would rather face Arizona than go down to Lambeau Field and play Green Bay, which I imagine, so give me your rationale. I imagine that that plays into it is that playing an indoor stadium against an inexperienced playoff quarterback in Kyler Murray would be favorable to you as opposed to going and playing one of the great quarterbacks in history in his home place. Yeah, pretty much. Um, You went down there in week two already, so it's it's clear that the conditions in Arizona are more favorable to Kirk Cousins than Lambeau Field. I mean, we, Kirk, Kirk is not cut out, I don't think, to just get you know really uh, motivated in the in the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field and put on a a vintage black and blue division performance in ten degree weather. Just it, it's that's not really his game. I think he needs the um, the Glendale air to to help him along um i don't think that i I don't think i would want to face aaron Rodgers either with this potentially being the green bay swan song and and who knows what his future holds i don't think i'd want to get in the way of that i don't think i would want to play them like let's say that because if the packers are the two seed that might mean you beat them in week 17 i don't think i'd want to play green bay a third time having beat them beaten them twice already that just seems unlikely so for all of the above, I mean, take advantage of the young quarterback getting his feet wet in the postseason. The, the, the stat last night, too, he's turned the ball over 11 times at home, I think it was. They've been way more underwhelming at home, 3-3, three and three, for whatever reason, um, probably because it's a pretty easy environment to play in for, for the road team. Um, I think that's 100%. The, what what fans should want. And frankly, if I'm traveling to cover it, Matthew, on your dime, that's <laughs> yeah. what I would want to. Hey, everybody, Minnesota football is in full swing and there is no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet for Minnesota football tickets because TickPick, that is T-I-C-K, P-I-C-K is the original no-fee ticket site. It's the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for football tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which allows them to guarantee the best prices on all of your tickets. Don't believe it if you can find better prices on the same seats on another site. TickPick will give you 110% of the difference now we've had lots of exciting games at u.s bank stadium this year there are still more to go including los angeles coming here it's always interesting when chicago comes to town so you're going to want to go to tickpick.com and check it out and make sure it's tickpick.com slash insider because you can save ten dollars on your first order for minnesota tickets that's tickpick.com slash insider when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. 
For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, okay. You bring the golf clubs down there <laughs> to Arizona. Now I see where you're coming from. But, you know, the uh, let me just make the case, though, for Green Bay. I think, for one, familiarity with Green Bay uh, would help the Vikings. Just in general, division of games over uh, the broad numbers – are closer than games played against teams, you know, otherwise. Like you play you play Green Bay closer. You put this is probably why Chicago plays the Vikings closer even when they're worse. Uh in part is just familiarity. If you're Matt Nagy, you know Mike Zimmer extremely well. And if you're Mike Zimmer, you know Matt Nagy extremely well. And so there isn't some like wild schematic difference you can throw out there that's going to fool them. It's pretty much we line up and play. Uh, that would be part of it. The other one would be A.J. Green was phenomenal last night. Rondell Moore is very good. Uh, Christian Kirk caught an incredible pass at the end of that game that almost gave Arizona a shot if they did not blunder it away uh, at the end. They get an onside kick with 36 seconds left and they hold and then jump offside. Great job, Arizona. But anyway, uh, it was frustrating to see how many different ways they found to give the Rams the game, including the two picks. But aside from that, Mm -hmm. those receivers, there are four of them. There's nobody on the Vikings that you trust in terms of being able to cover. Now, Devontae Adams is going to rip anybody apart. But the rest of those guys, and I know some of them had big catches against the Vikings the last time they played, but the rest of those guys are just unimpressive. And in the playoffs, it sort of bared out last year that Tampa Bay was able to slow down Devontae Adams and force Rodgers to go to different places, and it made life difficult throughout that playoff game for Aaron Rodgers. There is no slow down DeAndre Hopkins, and you can force him to go other places. The Vikings match up with Arizona just feel like is a very poor one. And I don't think either defense is good. I I don't think that uh, Green Bay has a good defense. I don't think that Arizona has a good defense. And that's another question that I had was, should opposing teams be afraid of the Vikings getting that seven seed, the teams that are battling for the one and two? Um, Because uh, one of PFF's analysts, Timo Riske, tweeted that, that in the playoff race, if you're looking at everybody who could get in, the last team you want in, if you're Green Bay or Arizona, is the Vikings. And I tend to agree with that, even though the last two weeks have seen the Vikings lose to the Lions and nearly blow one of the biggest leads of all time. Yeah, you know, the NFC wildcard teams with the Vikings in the mix would actually be kind of scary because you'd have the Rams as as a wildcard team that no one wants to face. You'd have the 49ers who I think they're good. I think that I think they're actually good. I mean, Garoppolo's doing everything on third down right now. Kittle is unstoppable. Debo Samuel lines up anywhere. Brandon Ayuk makes plays. They're I think they're good. So then you're talking about the seventh seed, which, yeah, I mean, if you took a straw poll of any Vegas line setter, um, Arizona against Washington, like that that's probably more than a touchdown line. Arizona against the Falcons. I The Vikings would probably be like a three point, four point underdog, honestly, maybe five. Like, but it's going to be a, it's going to be less than seven for sure. Um, they're probably the only team that would that would command that kind of respect, assuming they have 
I would say that like the foursome of Cousins, Jefferson, Thielen, Cook, all intact, then yeah, that's a scary group to face and a group that has proven that they basically can they can beat Green Bay and basically beat Arizona um, and a couple other pretty good teams this year too. That Chargers win is looking better all the time. So that is definitely of the five that, that are vying, yeah, 100%. So I was just looking this up, by the way. And I would have to fiddle with it a little more, but just putting it into the uh, computer here on 538's website, which has a, a fun playoff odds machine to toy around with. If the Vikings beat Chicago and then lose the next two, their playoff percentage chance is 7% by the numbers. It's sort of trickling around and now it's at 6%. So 6% is where the Vikings odds are. If And I didn't type in all the other results, so that would affect it if Washington fell apart. But someone wins between Washington and Philly in those two games. One of those teams gets one win, at least. Uh, and that makes it difficult for the Vikings to make the playoffs. That's why their chances are one in three right now. I still think that they will uh, because of the poorness of the other teams, because how bad Washington is, how bad Philadelphia is, and so forth. But it's interesting to me that, and I know this is a different discussion, it seems like you have to get a win against somebody you're not supposed to in order for the Vikings to get in or meltdowns from everybody, which is almost not possible because Philly and Washington play each other. If Philly wins two of those games, well, then, you know, they've, they've got an advantage just win loss wise over you. Um, so I, I kind of like if you're on the outside, you're thinking, well, the Vikings don't have the easiest path here to make the playoffs. But at the same time, kind of nobody else really wants this position. And if I'm those other teams, of course, I'm looking at the quarterback situations going. Would I rather play Gardner Minshew or Jalen Hurts uh, or Cousins? Uh, rather play one of those guys. Would I rather play Taylor Heineke? Of course I would. I mean, Heineke was a turnover worthy play festival against the Dallas Cowboys the other day. He's not a starting quarterback, everybody. No. Thank you. Uh, and, you know, Atlanta, I mean, they have a minus 100 and something point differential. They're a terrible team uh, with no real defense that you would ever be afraid of. And, you know, New Orleans is kind of lurking. So they, they are the last team in the world I think you want to face if you're talking about a seven seed, especially because we don't see the late seeds win the Super Bowl or get to the Super Bowl very often. It's been a long time since that's happened. But we do see them pull a lot of wild card weekend upsets, it seems like. And the Vikings did this just a couple of years ago. But that is kind of a common thing of teams who have great seasons and then go into that game, get a bad matchup, and then lose. Yeah, I mean, the 15-1 and one Packers, you know, about, I don't know, eight years ago or so, lost to the Giants. I think that was a Giants Super Bowl year. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. I think it was, actually. Yeah. Um, so there's your example. But uh, I think it's pretty simple the way that you that um, you look at the end of this season. You have to go 3-1. and one. And then of the four that you're vying with, the 6-7 and seven group, the only team that can't go 3-1 and one as well is Washington. If anyone else goes three and one, I believe you would have the tiebreaker, the conference record, or potentially the head to head. You'd be in. And Washington probably loses to Dallas. And like we've talked about, a, a split with Philly seems reasonable, especially with their respective quarterback situations. They're just, they're, they're, there's no guarantee that, uh, that uh, Washington would beat New York either, to, to be honest with you. Yeah, so yeah. 
I, I think that it's still super reasonable for the Vikings to, to get in that way. It's just a matter of Rams or Packers. Who, who where's that waiting going to come from? And I think it has to be Rams. But Aaron Donald, man, who's going to stop him? Garrett Bradbury? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, nobody. CJ, yeah, yeah nobody. it's going to be a 60-snap game for CJ Ham. <laughs> well, the uh, if, you, if you're not aware, they when a fullback or a tight end lines up um, between the guard and the tackle behind the line, you know, behind the line, you can sort of envision that they call it the sniffer position. So maybe it's just a CJ ham sniffer position all day long is every lineup. So wherever, whichever side Donald is on, he can be there, but that was one of the best individual performances I've ever seen from a defensive player. Every single play, he was demolishing the interior of their offensive line. And if they're coming here, for a game that matters to their playoff position for Los Angeles. And then you look at the receivers that they still have. Uh, Yeah, they lost Robert Woods, who's really important, but Odell Beckham looked good last night. And he's getting their offense, apparently. And Cooper Cup is unstoppable in that Sean McVay offense. It's just, that's where it's hard to see. Um, So, I, I mean, even though I feel like the Vikings have the edge here in terms of their opportunity to make the playoffs, beating one of those teams just looks really hard because of the state of the cornerback group. And uh, Courtney and I talked about it a little bit the other day on the show, but it's just like, there's, there is no solution. And I I was having a discussion with some fans and I want to know what you think about this, Sam, because I, I think there is a common sentiment that Mike Zimmer is supposed to be the cornerback whisperer. He's supposed to coach him up and scheme him up. And that's a thing he's talked about is, They better focus in this week and listen to me. Well, this week, it probably doesn't matter. Justin Fields has nobody to throw to. Chicago's offensive line is a joke. Their running game is non-existent. It's just a horrible, horrible offense that is, um, unless you play like they did against the Lions, you should be able to at least slow them down and play competently. Against those next two teams, you I mean, you got track stars. You, You have great weapons who can get open at any time. And that's the one place where I would say, if I am another team, and looking at who I want to play in the playoffs. The one thing I know the Vikings won't do to me is beat me in a defensive battle. Like if it get if it gets ugly, like you could see Washington getting a few strip sacks or interceptions or big plays. Uh, Philadelphia, maybe not. They don't have a very good defense. But uh, the Vikings, you're very confident if you're sending your weapons out against their corners that you can win. And this is where if there's one way they miss the playoffs, I think that's how. I think that they just can't cover anybody and they end up losing one of these games against Chicago and both of those games against uh, Green Bay and Los Angeles. And that's that. I I think that that would be the one way I would say um, that they could fall apart here. Well, the problem with that LA game, which I think is probably the, the more winnable of the two tough ones is that some coaches can look at their offense and identify and say, Oh, we've got weapons here but then they fall in love with the run sometimes, which does a a coverage challenge team like the Vikings a favor. Um, I think that Sean McVay, however, will come in and have no qualms about throwing and throwing and throwing. Okay, little mix up to Daryl Henderson and throw, 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 throw. And Cooper Cup is going to shred them. Um, Mackenzie Alexander, we, we talked about his season a few weeks ago and, and how it was sort of looking kind of bad. And now it's looking worse. I feel like, um, it has not been a great run for him this season. And 
that's who's going to be defending Cooper Cup. Uh, you're going to need a lot of help on him. Linebackers cheating, and and uh, and the only hope you have is that you can tap into some of that Stafford magic where you just blitz him like crazy and put him on the ground. But this is not the the Stafford Lions. This is the Stafford Rams. I think they're much better. I think they're much better coached when you compare McVay to Patricia. Um, so then it comes down to, well, what's the COVID attrition situation? Is, uh, is the Rams roster healthy? How's your roster? And then play it out from there. Um, but I think I, you're definitely downplaying Chicago and I think appropriately, but I still wouldn't pencil that game in either. Mm-hmm. I still think yeah. the Vikings are flawed enough that it's going to be a relatively hard victory. Do you think that anybody has chances to change minds in the final four games. Uh, I think that if I were to put out a poll, do you want a different, if if you could either have everybody back or everybody gone, if that was the poll, I think it'd be 95% everybody gone from Vikings fans right now. I think there's just like a level of frustration at this point, as we speak at this moment, um, of just doing the same thing and having the same results over and over again, uh, that, any change is sort of going to be welcomed. And uh, just if you peek at the mock drafts, by the way, most of the quarterbacks are going in the middle of the first, which, hey, you you know, you could pick one with your own pick and maybe have another first round pick if you're trading cousins. So that's the, that conversation right there starts to become a little more intriguing to Vikings fans than even the playoff race conversation, I feel like right now. Um, But do you think anybody can change minds? Like could the roster change minds and people think that Spielman actually did a good job. Could cousins change minds by playing really well down the stretch and winning three out of four. Could Zimmer change minds by scheming the heck out of Matt Stafford as he has in the past and getting a terrible game out of Stafford and and upsetting the Rams or going toe to toe with Aaron Rodgers again, or does none of it really matter? Are we more of like calling it the last dance, but in more of like a sad, ironic way? I, I think it feels that way to me. Um, but instead of marching through the season 72 and 10, um, it's been more of a, like, imagine the the Washington Wizards last dance. You know, that that kind of has the, the feel, doesn't it? Where, gosh, I, I texted you this too. Mike Zimmer just looked exhausted today. Yeah, yeah. He looked so, and coming off like a kind of a bye weekend too, he looked so tired. I don't know if it was um, the COVID news or it was a, a physical practice or what, or if they were outside of practice freezing. Um, but man, I feel like that we've always, we've said this for weeks. At what point is it all going to catch up to them? Yeah. The stress week in and week out, the injury attrition, uh, the COVID protocols. It's been such a fight just to survive every single week that you can't go on like that. Um, so I, I would lean to that if it was an either or that, uh, yeah, this probably feels like an everybody gone situation. And could they change minds? I said this on the WCCO stream, and I've probably said it on our show before too, but I think a, a run the table situation and an NFC championship game berth would be my criteria for like contemplating keeping it the way it is. I think that's the only that's the only way because then you could at least say our quarterback carried us through tough December games. Our coach kept us alive in trying situations, and uh, 
and here we are. We made it one one game from the Super Bowl. That's the only scenario for me. I don't know about you guys, but I've gotten very good in my life at admitting when I need some help. If you are struggling to figure out how to navigate workers' compensation and disability laws, I've got a team that can lend you a hand. Kemet, Samford, and Kramer are dedicated and experienced disability attorneys, so if you find yourself on your company's injury report, Kemet, Samford, and Kramer Law can help you understand your rights under Minnesota's workers' compensation laws. Their team of disability attorneys have secured their clients tens of millions of dollars in unpaid and denied benefits. They can help you fight wrongfully denied work comp claims, or if your claim has been accepted, they can assist with rehabilitation or medical disputes, help you get a second opinion, or ensure that you're getting everything you're entitled to. Mike, Pat, and Evan will take care of all the legal aspects of your case while you focus on what's most important, that's your recovery. There is no fee or cost for reaching out to them. You do not pay a single cent unless they are successful in obtaining your benefits. So make sure to go to their website, yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com. That is yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com. This has been an attorney advertisement for Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer. Folks, it's that time again where you're doing your online shopping for the holidays. And look, if you want free shipping, I can help you out with that. For all of your Minnesota sports-inspired goods, use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER when you go to sodastick.com. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K. You can get their North State beanie, their Adam Thielen autograph shirts, Marcus Foligno fan club design for all of you hockey fans out there, and the one I always mention because it's the best one, the Randy Moss Disgusting Act. You can put that on a hoodie, shirt, or almost anything else. And plus, anything you want with Skull on it, Soda Stick has it. Again, that's S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Perfect for gifts, and you can get that shipping free by using the code Purple Insider. Now, since we don't have a direct line from anyone to the Wilfs and their thinking, it's hard to say for sure. We always want to throw in that caveat and why I'm never certain in saying they would do this, they would do that. Clearly, uh, the Jeremy Fowler thing was put there on purpose by somebody of potentially moving Spielman up on the food chain to replace him with a GM, sort of a uh, you're not in charge of stuff anymore, but we still like you and want you here kind of deal. Um, kind of like John Elway in Denver. Okay, John, you can't be calling the shots on the roster anymore, but you're John Elway, so let's keep you around and make you the president of whatever and such. So that seems now like that is kind of likely that that will happen since Jeremy Fowler put it out there. But um, on the other two, on Zimmer and uh, Kirk Cousins, I agree with you that it would have to be that way and that the odds of that do not seem particularly high. So it's sort of a weird position to be in to think about like there's four games left and normally in the NFL, everything rests on everything. Like the narratives of players careers are sort of whatever the last game was. So now Stafford all of a sudden beats good teams, right? Like, or prove people wrong with that big win. Kyler Murray threw two picks and Stafford gets that to go with him. You know what I mean? Like we've done this with dance with cousins many times of, well, he's got this big prime time game and a chance for cousins to prove everybody wrong. And it's like, well, I guess, I mean, it's just the game, one game out of over a hundred that he's played. So I don't know that it will change anything. Uh, but, uh, you know, we do that all the time. If there, there's four games left in a playoff race and even a playoff game, and we don't feel like it changes anything, then it's sort of just like, 
ride the wave, everybody, because a lot could be different after this. A lot is likely to be different after that. And I, it, it's just, I, I don't know that I've ever been in, in a position before where a team was right on the edge of the playoffs and could very easily make it. And yet we still felt like, I don't think this impacts anything. I think everybody knows what is coming next. It's just, I think it's a very unique place to be. Yeah. It, is this what purgatory feels like, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. a lot of teams get there and the key is to identify it early and not repeat it. Um, and I think the Vikings are in a situation where, okay, they've, they kind of, they made their bed this season. You know, there wasn't going to, there's not going to be a mid season season shakeup at this point. Um, they can hope for the best. They can, the people that are in place can, uh, can try to win a Super Bowl and go out swinging knowing that this is probably the the, the final stage. And I'd, I'd be really curious to know how much awareness there is of that if Kirk Cousins is playing this thinking that he could be trade bait after this season. If Mike Zimmer, who has always pointed, I think, to his overall record as, hey, I'm a 600, you know, coach. You know, I'm not that far off from Denny Green. Why would anyone consider uh, even thinking of of releasing me from my duties? I do wonder if there's that awareness. Are they so insulated in their own their business, their own discussions that are they even aware that that these talks are happening? I would assume so. I would guess they are. But I also am not convinced that they're hearing it from ownership like, hey, like you're on thin ice here. I don't know if that's happening either because we just don't know how the Wilfs operate. Do you wonder, like looking at Zimmer today, this is just the last thing I'll ask. And of course, it's like the hottest question that I could ask you that I saved 45 minutes into this conversation to ask it. But has it gone through your mind at all, the potential that Zimmer would get to the end of this year and be like, you know what? I I just want to take a year off. I I just, this is, he's talked a lot about his grandchildren stuff. He looks totally gassed, which, you know, he always does by this point in the year. It's like that, you know, uh, before COVID after COVID or whatever meme where you just, or whatever before 2020. Mm-hmm. And it's like a person with a long beard who just looks disheveled and somebody fresh faced kind of thing. Uh, but that's what it looks like every year, like in training camp, it's Mike Zimmer smiling in the sun. And then by week 14, I mean, the guy looks like he's just been through war. Uh, but I, it did go through my mind, like the way that he's been different this year, I think just in, in front of us, um, that I, I wonder if he would consider just saying like, all right, I can't rebuild this roster. Like I don't have the patience or the time for this. And maybe I'm going to do what McCarthy did. Like take a year away, take another position, something like that. Um, I think that there would be a lot of teams that would benefit greatly from having Mike Zimmer as their head coach or even greater as as their defensive coordinator or just as many. Um, But I wonder if he, he, even he looks at this and says like, do I have, even if they're going to keep me around, like, do I have more years of this or would it be a graceful way instead of he gets fired for him to say, I'm stepping away and then comes back with, I don't know, Cincinnati after they fire Zach Taylor after next year, which will probably happen. So um, just because, uh, you know, that's how it goes with coaches who don't know what they're doing. A- a- anyway, I-, I just wonder what you think of that. Um, man, everything that Mike Zimmer has ever said yep. indicates that he's going to coach until he falls over. Yep. I mean, he, he, the, the way he talks about this job, um, how he wants to, to do it until they won't have him anymore. 
Um, and he wants to to be the one to win the championship because he's always said, somebody's going to do it. I want it to be me. Um, I just don't think he has it in him. And he's been through the Bobby Petrino thing where he felt like a coach quit on a team. And Mike Zimmer really, really hates quitters. And I don't think he could ever bring himself to do it, even though it would be a fairly reasonable thing for like someone who's been through kind of what he's been through. His health maybe isn't the best to... Uh, to take some time off and step aside from a, from a high stress job. Gary Kubiak did it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Mike Zimmer views Gary Kubiak as a quitter. Um, Cause he had, you know, stress in his life that yeah. cost him his la- previous head coaching I, I wouldn't job. call it quitting by the way. I wouldn't at all. I would not at all call it quitting. I would call it just reaching the end of the road and saying, I need to step back and then maybe do something else. But, but I think Mike would perceive it as that. I think he would. Yeah, could be. I, I think he would, he would view that gesture as quitting, whether it is or not. It wouldn't probably wouldn't be fair to him, but I just think he's too hard nosed to, to do it. It would hit his heart would have had to grow three sizes maybe by <laughs> the birth of his grandkid. Maybe maybe that softened him. Um, but I, I don't think that would be part of his uh, MO. I've, yeah, I've wondered about it. I mean, he is a go-down fighting kind of guy. Like, run it all the way to the end, and uh, you see it. And this is one thing that I respect greatly about him. Is he is one of the most competitive people that I have been around in sports. And he will just fight and scratch and claw and poke people's eyes out. Like if you fought him, he'd be a biter. Like he he would just leave nothing on the table until he was dead. You couldn't be sure that it was over. Um, And so that's always impressive about him. And maybe you're right because of that mentality. I guys, there have been things that have been different uh, about Zimmer this year. And that came to mind when you were talking about just how exhausted he looked on the press conference. When you, when you talk about the differences, are you, are you just referring to like the honest sort of the brutal honesty or is it something else? Well, it's always been that way, but you know, I mean, he's always been like willing to say this player should have done this, or I'm not so happy with this technique or whatever else. I think in a way uh, there's a lot less, maybe defensiveness about the issues with the team when we ask about them. Like I, I there really has, there was a point in the season where he seemed to get a little, a little ornery about being questioned about being one and three or whatever else and sort of defensive about the team being good and that sort of thing. Um, but a lot of the way I haven't, I haven't felt like he has sort of been like fighting back with these things that he gets asked about during the press conferences. And he's been much more willing to sort of be open with his answers and even more. um, It's not even honest, but it's like the way in which it's honest, I I guess is kind of how I think of it. And maybe that's just a small perception, but we've been around him for a long time and I feel like it's different. And I don't even know if I'm putting it exactly the right way, but there, I mean, there were times where the team was 11 and three. And you would ask about something and he would just be like, I'm not telling you or whatever. You know what I mean? Like just him being him in the midst of the season and whatever and going to Mm -hmm. war. And uh, I haven't really felt that way. It's almost like somebody who sort of accepted what's going on here and what's going to happen here. That's how it feels to me. Um, Like the stages of your time as a head coach here is over. You know, maybe there's a defiance and there's an acceptance or something. I, I don't know. Um, but it's it's something that I'll be interested in kind of keeping an eye on. And, and you're probably right. I mean, he he is probably a fight to the end type of person. But maybe if they said, Mike, I think we probably need to make a change. Uh, can you convince us that you can do it next year? Do you have a plan? Or 
Would you rather just say, I'm stepping away Gary Kubiak style? I don't know what he would choose at this point, because I think that there's, there's a lot to be done here to get to the point where you can compete for a Super Bowl again. And it might be better for him to step away and go coach whoever who's on the sort of the doorstep of being really good. And that might be, you know, kind of like McCarthy has done with uh, Dallas. So anyway, well, Mm -hmm. a very good discussion to have at the very end of the show. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Good job. Good job by me planning that out, starting with the stupidest COVID stuff. Uh, Anyway, well, Sam, thank you for your time. Thank you for all of you who have uh, joined in to this. And if you're hearing us for the first time, Purple Insider podcast happens every day. Great guests that we have, Courtney Cronin, Bill Barnwell is coming on the show later this nice. week. So that's exciting. Uh, we do giveaways sometimes, stuff like that. So make sure you check that out. And purpleinsider.substack.com is the uh, website for our written stuff. So we will catch you guys later.